Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's, hello, hello. It's Morgan and Amber. We're coming at you on this Wednesday evening. We got kind of an interesting one today. Yeah, it's. I think we're all. We think they're all interesting. We are. Yeah, I think that's how we how we introduce them all. But this one is a uh, is an older one, but it's currently developing as we speak. So. Yeah. So we feel like we kind of had to give it a little bit of a the justice that it's due. Uh, what's interesting that we actually talked about is neither of us realized how high profile this case. I mean, we knew how high profile it was, but we didn't realize like how widely covered it actually was. Whereas now you're now looking back on it, it's like this was a huge story, like huge. So if you haven't figured it out yet, we're covering the case of Madeline McCann, who was three years old. She was a young girl from the United Kingdom. She had a mom and a dad, Kate and Jerry. And like, literally you might want to get out. I was just actually writing down before we started this, like a, name tree because they were on vacation with a bunch of different people and it just gets to be it's like so many so many names (laughs) so don't mind us if we're like wait what who like I'm confused because it's literally so many people so her parents were Kate and Jerry McCann Madeline was three almost four years old she was like two weeks away from her fourth birthday Um, She had two-year-old twin siblings, a boy and a girl, and they were on vacation in Portugal, like at a super fancy resort by the looks of it. Um, Her parents were both doctors, which I did not realize that until we started doing all of this as well. But basically, they had been on this vacation with approximately um, seven ish other seven ish other adults I guess is the best way to say it three other couples and then um a grandma and then her parents Kate and I would assume that that's Jerry not Gary it's Jerry yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm like Jerry I don't know what to say um and then there was also a couple of kids um Fiona and David Payne were on the trip with them they were both doctors that's how they met the um, McCann family is they, the moms were ICU doctors together and they had two kids with them. Diane Webster was Fiona's mom. So grandma, we'll just call her grandma because that's just going to be easier. And then we have Jane Tanner and Russell Bryan, who were just another couple that were with them. They don't really go into detail about their lives very much. And then Matthew Oldfield and Rachel Oldfield, who was, Matthew was a doctor, Rachel was a lawyer, and then they had their daughter with on the trip. So there was at least five other children with on the trip. They all were in like a, from the way that I understood it, I don't know if it was the same with you, Amber, but it was like a, kind of like a timeshare type situation is kind of what it seemed like to me. Yeah, it seemed like that because it was sort of like apartment-y. Like, surrounding a main, like, pool, restaurant-y area. Right, right. Um, so the parents put the kids to bed, all of them in their own respective apartments, which 
this was in, I guess I should note that this was in May of 2007. So they put her, um, put her to bed in the same room as her two siblings, her younger brother and sister. The other parents put their kids to bed and they had like an outstanding reservation for the whole week at this restaurant with a specific table so that they could kind of see the area that their apartments were in. Like they were kind of all right around the same spot, like one on top of the other, like a little shindig, you know. And then, so they were all at this supper and I think they all went, They so this is in, this is going to sound really stupid of me, but they went in, mil, like everything on this is on military time. So I'm like, <laughs> 2030, okay, oh God, like 8.30, I know, don't, don't, <laughs> just don't. So the family, the McCanns and the other seven people that they were with, um, the friends were what they called the Tapas seven. They were at this restaurant, um, the Tapas restaurant, which I don't know what that even means. Why? What's so special about that? But that's what they kept calling them. But they were in view kind of of the general area that their apartments were. And they kind of took turns going to check on the kids. Yeah. It sounds like they kind of had like 20 or 30 minute shifts where they would like one person would go and like go check on all the kids. And then like when it was the next person's turn, they'd go and check on all the kids, which I'm not judging anybody at all, but just look thinking about that now, I'm like for your three year old and two, two year olds, you were just like every 20 minutes is fine. Like, I mean, yeah, I go camp or whatever. And maybe my kids are in the camper while we're out at the fire, but like, we're literally, well, and what I found when I was looking into this, too, it seems like there was maybe, like, conflicting yeah. stories about this, too. Like, at first, they made it seem like, oh, yeah, it's, like, right in view. It's super short distance, you know, just right around the corner. But then then I also heard later, was reading that maybe it really, like, you couldn't see the apartment from where yeah. they were at. But it, it wasn't, wasn't far. <laughs> yeah, like, it was just kind of really I don't know seems sort of like a gray area and then also it sort of seems like you know right away they were well I'm sure they were probably trying to make themselves sound really responsible too with yep we all went in 20 minute shifts or whatever but it it sounds like maybe that wasn't super accurate either I mean you get eating and drinking and like having a nice time and it's like unless you're setting alarms are you you know, are you really checking every 20 minutes or oops, did an hour go by? Yeah. So they said that um, every evening they kind of went at the same time. They went at about 830. It was noted in the restaurant that this group wanted this specific table because they had children sleeping in the apartments. So people knew. Yeah. That their kids were alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a and they also really a lot of the time utilized the childcare services. It sounded like like they would drop the kids off and go do adult stuff, and then I mean it just kind of was what it was at this resort. Um, so they went and checked on. I'm gonna find the exact times here because then I'll know for sure. So they went to the restaurant at about um, eight thirty, and. Apparently, the night before, 
or like early that morning, Madeline had asked her parents, why didn't you come when her brother, they don't say what her name is. They say her brother on the quote. And I cried last night. And then her parents like didn't think anything of it until literally the next day she disappeared at 8 30 PM. They went to eat with their friends um, at this restaurant. So they said the apartment that the McCanns were at was 160 feet from the restaurant as the crow flies quote, but that to get to the actual restaurant from the apartment, you had to take like a public street and then walk around the pool. So they make it sound like it's way for, you know what I mean? Like how far yeah. it's hard visual of how far this really was, which I guess at this point doesn't really matter, but right. so they had this, um, about eight 30, uh, the first check was at about nine Oh five. So it was about 25, 30 minutes later, they did the first check. All the kids were asleep. Everything was fine. Except Madeline's dad noticed that um, the bedroom door, he had left it just like slightly open or like just, you know, what parents do. Like it's almost latched, but it's It's not not closed, but it's almost closed. And then when he went in there to check on them, the door was like wide open. So he shut it again, almost all the way, and then went back to the restaurant. So Jane Tanner, who was one of the group that were all together, um, saw supposedly about the same time as Madeline's dad was going to check on her. She was on her way back to check on her own daughter, which apparently they like kind of checked on each other's, kind of checked on their, like it. This, the, That's why it's very, like, wishy-washy. Yeah, like, like, it's not just us not doing our due diligence. Like, it's like, oh, we were, then we weren't. Like, I just don't even know. So, apparently, Jane Tanner saw a man that sh- they call this the Tanner sighting. A white male, uh, probably European, about 5'7", had dark hair, was wearing khakis and a dark jacket. Was w- and was carrying a little girl wearing, like, floral, ruffly pajamas. She said she didn't even think about it until, obviously, everything that came later on. But wouldn't you notice if you walked by a stranger carrying a little girl that looked like your friend's little girl? I mean... You would, you would think so, but... I mean, if you're good enough friends to vacation together and you've been vacationing together at this point for four or five days, you wouldn't recognize. Right. And I don't know, like, maybe you have more info on this, but I don't know how close, like, did they pass each other on this street or sidewalk or did she just, like, see them from afar? Like, I I didn't get, I guess, how close she saw them. It sounded like he was just a little bit ahead of her. Oh, okay. Uh, like, as they were walking across the street, he was a little bit ahead of her, is what the reports sound like. So <laughs> they really never found anything concrete with this guy. There was a man that was first kind of suspected of being this kidnapper that kind of lived in that general direction near the apartment where Madeline disappeared from. So 
they said basically, so like Scotland Yard eventually got involved in this. So if Scotland Yard gets involved, it gets pretty serious pretty fast. So what they actually found is in 2013, there was a man that was also on vacation that um, went and got his daughter from the night daycare thing. And said that he very likely could have been the same man that Mrs. Tanner saw. Oh, sure. So that's kind of, I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, but it's just basically, like, there's no way around it. This whole story is just kind of... There's just so many different things going on. So apparently, this is kind of what we had talked about. Madeline's mom, um, Kate, was going to check on the kids at 9.30, but... Matthew Oldfield, who is the doctor that's another couple, um, was going to check on in the apartment right next door to where Madeline was sleeping. So he said, I'll do like, I'm already going to check on my kid. It's not a big deal. Like, I'll go check. So he went in the apartment, checked on the kids and the bedroom door was wide open again. Didn't think anything of it, knew nothing, like no noise, no nothing. Didn't even look in the bedroom to see if the kids were in there. So that this, okay, that was what got, yeah, that was what got me that he was like, yeah, I'll check on the kids, and he basically just went in the apartment and shut the door. Yeah. Like, no, well, you have no, to, like, you have to look at the kids to see if the kids are doing okay. It's at least peak, right? And so he didn't really check on them. I mean, he said he did, but he didn't know later. Um, so these windows at this apartment, it was a ground level apartment and they had like an exterior shutter, which basically like prison bars pretty much that are controlled and locked from the inside. So like for a vacation place, you know, it's a safety thing, but he couldn't say whether the bedroom window was open or the shutter was open. Um, they kind of thought at some point that he may have had something to do with it because he said, that like, oh, I'll go check, and then didn't really check. So at about 10 o'clock, Kate went to check herself on the kids. So they were really, according to this, going every half-ish hour. Um, so they actually think that Madeline was probably taken, like, minutes before her mom came to check on her. Scotland Yard, that's kind of what their time frame is. So... Her mom, Kate, walked into the apartment, and the kid's door was wide open. She tried to, like, close the door. Like, sometimes, you know, how, like, when you have a door open and a window open in the same room, like, the door will, like, slam shut. Like, it's just the way that air works. <laughs> um, so she went to go close it, and it slammed shut. And then she opened the door back up and realized that the window and the, like, shutter were open. Madeline was nowhere to be found, but her cuddle cat, they called it. So I'm assuming, like, her, like, snuggly, her lovey, whatever. And her blanket were still there. Madeline was nowhere to be found. So apparently Kate kind of, like, did, like, a quick, you know, mom search of the apartment. Like, oh, is she in the bathroom? Is she over here? And then went, like, running, screaming to the restaurant. But immediately was like Madeline's gone someone's taken her yeah I don't know if like she noticed the window and just jumped to that conclusion but I don't know why yeah 
I mean, she's three. She could have wandered off on her own. Yeah, like, woke up scared. Where's my mom and dad? Like, went to look totally. for them. Yeah, totally yeah. could see that. So, about 10-10, Madeline's dad sent Matthew Oldfield, the one that had checked on them, checked, quotation, at 9.30, to have them call the, have the receptionist or whatever call the police. So, by 10.30, they had resorted activated its missing child search protocol which i did not know was even a thing at resorts but i suppose like some i suppose but that's good so there was over 60 people not just staff like guests and everybody else too that searched until 4 30 in the morning because they all assumed right away like oh she woke up she was scared walked the other direction like not that big of a deal right so they basically searched like High and low, looked all over. They had people come in from the Portuguese police. It's They've got a very fancy name for it, but we're, I don't speak Spanish or Portuguese or any sort of language other than English, so I'm not going to even attempt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so apparently the police say they arrived within like 10 minutes of being called. They had patrol dogs on the scene. Then they brought in search and rescue dogs. They looked all over, like, everywhere. Um, So nobody got a description for, like, quite some time of what Madeline looked like. Officers did not go house to house searching because apparently within this resort there was, like, actual people, like, homes, too, by the way it sounds. Like, it just gets more weird every time I talk about it. They didn't do vehicle stops. They didn't lock everything down. Like, it took Interpol five days to issue a missing person alert on a three and a half year old little girl, or almost four. Like, she was literally 10 days away from jail. That's insane. Like, that should be the first thing you're doing. I mean, obviously, yeah, go out and search, but if you're searching, that means she's missing. Yeah. So, the crime scene was totally botched. Uh, They took samples from her bedroom, which they sent to a lab, but they had 20, more than 20 people in the apartment in and out before it was closed off to like for investigation. According to Kate um, McCann, they said that they, somebody came and taped off the doorway to the kid's room, like did the caution crime scene, blah, 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 but then left without like securing the apartment so there was nobody like keeping the chain of command then they let the apartment sit empty for a month and then opened it back up to tourists and then closed it again for more forensic tests well after you've opened the apartment up to tourists you may as well not even bother the gentleman uh the police officer that dusted the bedroom like the windows and everything you know with the black powder like checking for fingerprints (laughs) didn't wear gloves or any sort of, like, PPE. Oh, good. Because I know what PPE is now because I'm living in a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> so this was all the Portuguese police. So basically, like, total botched job. Maybe not purposely, but pretty botchy. So they kept the... Eventually, the family has to go home, right? So the family has their own private investigators. They did have... Like I said, Scotland Yard added on it at some point. Um, they did have police from the UK on it as well. But they kept it like a Portuguese case. 
And very early on, they actually, her parents, Madeline's parents, turned Madeline over as like a ward of the court, is what they called it, so that they could, the courts could handle the investigation. And so her dad, um, spoiler alert, there basically was never a sighting of Madeline again. Like, we're going to go into all of that, but... 13 years, obviously, now that we're coming up on, we're in June of 2020 and we're still talking about this case and that we still don't know exactly what happened to her, but they're getting very, very close, which we'll talk about. But um, so her dad in an article on Vanity Fair about a year-ish after Madeline disappeared said, said that he had decided to, quote, market Madeline to keep her in the public eye. It, yeah. So I don't it know. was it was very weird. Like they went on almost this tour mm-hmm. to like all these different countries and like just toured around to yeah. pr- basically promote their child to have her found. And her her mom carried around that cuddle cat everywhere they went. Cuddle cat. Cuddle cat. <laughs> So there was a book written about Madeline um, called Looking for Madeline, if you're interested in it. there I, I actually have not watched this myself, but it's next on my list now. There's been a um, Netflix, like five or six part, I think, documentary done about this that I fully intend to watch because I guess it's super good. Um, so then they had this whole campaign that they did called Madeline's Fun. Leaving No Stone Unturned LTD <laughs> to raise money and awareness for for what? I guess finding Madeline. But it had 58 million hits on the internet in two days. Wow. So this case was like gigantic. Like we were talking before we started recording and we typically try not to do that. Just so you guys know, we try and like not discuss things to do with our cases beforehand because we like to have like, if you can't tell, this is not a scripted podcast at all. So we like to have <laughs> well, yeah. organic discussion. <laughs> yeah, We like that. Like we don't want to be like, Oh, you know, we, we like to keep it pretty real. Yeah. <laughs> pretty real and we like to kind of keep our thoughts from each other so that we can actually because it's fun for us too because that's the whole reason why we started this podcast is for us to talk about stuff that we were talking about amongst ourselves but we're like well maybe like five other people would care what we have to say (laughs) let's record our conversations and call it a podcast and there are and contrary to my husband's beliefs there are other people that like to hear what I have to say (laughs) like Probably roughly a hundred of you. <laughs> <laughs> he probably won't appreciate me saying that, but he probably won't listen to it either. So it's fine. Um, anyways. So they basically were like, I don't want to say living off of Madeline's disappearance, but like newspapers in the UK would say that they would put a picture of her on the front page and they would sell an additional like 30,000 more copies. So they were literally like, oh, she was on the cover of People. Like, she was literally everywhere. So I guess this is probably the best time to talk about the first suspect. 
So, um, the first, we're kind of backtracking again here. I'm sorry, but guys, this one's kind of a mess, but literally, like, this case is a mess. So, um, the first suspect that they kind of found was 12 days after Madeline disappeared. This gentleman, Robert Murat, became the first Arguedo, Arguedo? We'll go with that. Arguedo, which is what, it's a fancy name for suspect. He was from London originally, and he lived very, very close um, to the apartment that Madeline disappeared from. So apparently a journalist at a local paper in Portugal said that he had been asking questions about the case. And they had apparently the police at one time had had him signed up as an interpreter And he said he wanted to help because he had a daughter around Madeline's age. So it's just... Yeah, he seemed like he was kind of trying to be a little too involved. Yeah, inserting himself. Yep. So three members of the top of seven, where it doesn't matter who, um, said that they saw him outside the apartment. And then apparently there was a nanny and what is a holiday maker? Like, like, we use that word. Is that, like, a vacationer? I don't know. Like, in all the articles I read, they're, like, a holiday maker. And I'm, like, what? I mean, I could have Googled it myself, but I did not care that much. Oh, my. Okay, so if you look at my Google history, it is either, like, murders, because that's what, you know, we're doing here. Or it's, like, definitions for things I don't know. If you were to look at my search history, it's like, what is or define and then the word. Okay, so a holiday maker is a person on vacation away from home. (laughs) So uh, apparently three members of the top is seven, as well as three other independent individuals saw Mr. Murat outside of the apartment, which if he lived very near there. Yeah. Normal. But his mommy said that he was home that whole night, of course. Oh, sure. Mom, mom for the alibi. So, um, not long after Madeline disappeared, they searched his home, drained his pool. Like, they went all out. They, like, had a car going on his lawn. They had dogs. They had, like, and I guess they set his car on fire. <laughs> Like, they, so, they found anything linking him to Madeline's disappearance, and he was a suspect for about a year. So, he actually went to court and sued a a chat pile, I know we try not to swear, but that's the best word I can use here, of people for libel for using his name. He received like six hundred thousand euros. <laughs> oh, I suppose like, you have your life turned upside down, and yeah. like it really wasn't you. Yeah, and then his friends, which they don't say how many friends they didn't say, but each received a hundred thousand euro each. So then, one of the friends later in two thousand fourteen. During Operation Grange, which is what Scotland Yard called the case, because apparently they have fancy names for everything. Um, 
was was interviewed as a witness. And then again, Murat was questioned, but they literally have nothing. Like they, so then Murat's mom said that that evening she was driving by apartment 5A, which is the one that Madeline disappeared from. She had driven past the apartment and seen a young woman behaving suspiciously. Weren't you at home with your son, (laughs) ma'am? And then she also saw a small brown car speeding the wrong way down a one-way. So, like, ma'am, did you forget what your alibi, you were your son's alibi? I'm just wondering. (laughs) Come on, Ma, get your story straight. If you can't remember it, write it down. (laughs) There was a lot of witnesses. There really was. Like, that's why I don't even want to talk about it. Because it's like, I saw a man. I saw a woman. I saw a black-haired guy. Like, literally, I don't think it's even worth So it was just like, basically, if anybody saw anything that they thought was mildly concerning, that was a sus- not a suspect, I guess I shouldn't say that, but like a person of interest. Right. Yeah. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry. So then, of course, who do you think they had as as suspects? If you guys have been following along here, mom and dad, come on. I I know. I was wondering if you were wanting me to answer that or if it was a rhetorical question for our listeners. Because I know know the answer. (laughs) Yeah. So it's basically like all the normal mumbo jumbo. They thought the parents could possibly be suspects. There's their um, stories were not consistent, of course, that they helped make up the Tanner, the Tanner sighting, as we talked about. They like they were really searching here, not that. So this kind of made me chuckle a little bit. So they did all these articles, right, about evidence and talked about the McCanns and <laughs> the McCanns and the Tapas seven were swingers. <laughs> that had been sedating their children and had formed what they called a pact of silence. Well, I would hope that you're not swinging with your own mom, Fiona and David. (laughs) This this is concerning. (laughs) I mean, I'm not here to judge anybody. I mean, you do you. Then there was a lot of inconsistencies about how they entered the apartment, how they found the apartment. If they actually were doing the checks like we talked about every 30 minutes or if it was delayed, like basically they just took their story and kind of ripped it down bit by bit. Then they were questioning Kate because they're like, oh, you found out Madeline was missing and then you left your twins alone in the apartment and took off. Yeah. Which I don't know. What would you do? I don't, I mean, I've never been in that situation, but. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah, they were kind of like questioning basically like any behavior like that night and after the fact of the parents and it's like well you can't really yeah judge that until you're in that situation um there was a lot of talk that the McCann something happened to Madeline whether it would have been an accident um overdosed on the supposed sedative for parents had given given her 
And they said that her parents hid her body and then just, like, hid her somewhere and then drove her and buried her. Where, When you're on vacation, where are you going to hide her? But, like, I feel like that's something that has to be pretty planned out to, like, you'd be in a different country. Right. But most of the people that were involved in the case in Portugal and were part of that investigation, they think that Madeline died in the apartment due to an accident or overdose on sedatives while her mommy and daddy were out canoodling with other people. Nobody knows. I mean, obviously we don't know, but that's kind of like the main, that's what the Portuguese police believe. They, um, had a ton of these crime scene dogs. There was one, what they called a passive alert to the scent of blood, of course, because that's what they're looking for, bodily fluids and bloods or whatever. And they really, there was only like one dog that hit off on the apartment and that was it. Well, that could have been literally anything um one of the dogs <laughs> uh barked at the cuddle cat which oh. I, maybe it just didn't like the cuddle cat i mean it's uh there was of course a bunch of dna evidence done which i'm giving you like very very brief overview of this because you could literally research this case to death like i feel like the john bunny ramsey case has less stuff written about it than this one and that's saying a lot so there was only like one stranger danger alert on the DNA, but there was also a lot of, like we talked about before, a lot of crime scene botching. So in 2011, Scotland Yard, like we've kind of already touched on this a little bit, they had a big operation regarding the whole Madeline McCann case called Operation Grange, which why they call them that, I don't know. Like we talked about, they have like crazy weird names for all of this stuff. So they basically did a ton of research. They went through a bunch of documents. They um, did a bunch of age progression photos of what Madeline would look like if she was still alive. They researched over 8,000 sightings. Um, By 2015, they had investigated piles more than the Portuguese police ever had. They had taken over 2,000 statements and pieces of evidence, like just random little things here and there. They had gone through 60 persons of interest, so that's like an awful lot. So basically, Operation Grange kind of reignited the case because we went from 2007 to now. We're in um, 2015 while they're they started the operation in 2011, but they were hit the ground running really hard. And they had what they called the, what Scotland Yard deemed as to be the most likely theories. Um, they thought that it was likely an act done by a stranger, but it had been something planned that Madeline maybe like had walked in on. Um, so apparently there was a ton of burglaries in the area right before Madeline disappeared, like um, four times as many as normal. And there was two burglaries in the block where Madeline's apartment was 
in the two weeks prior to her disappearance and the people, the burglars had entered through windows. So that's key there. Okay. So they did talk about it being like a pre-planned abduction. Like somebody sought out Madeline specifically, but a lot of things didn't really point to that. They, there was some workers there, of course, that possibly could have had something to do with it, but they never really based on like reconstruction statements, all of that, they didn't really see that that was probably the most likely of the theories. Um, we talked a little bit about how Madeline maybe left the apartment on her own. She was scared, looking for mom and dad, uh, got lost, got hurt. But I would say that that's pretty unlikely because what four-year-old is going to leave an apartment through a shuttered window? Like, you would think that you would go out the patio door that you see your mom come in and out of, or you would have gone out the front door. Well, or if it would have truly been just that innocent of her just, like, meandering out, you think they would have found her eventually. Well, and typically, like, young kids, if they wake up scared, they're not being quiet as a mouse. Right. They're They're probably crying. They're screaming Mm -hmm. for mommy and daddy. So... Um, we are actually guys going to make this one a little bit exciting for you. And we're going to kind of taper off here, leave you with the theories until next week when we're going to come back at you with all the updated stuff, the 2020 goods, because there's actually a lot of stuff that they've uncovered recently. And, uh, they have spoiler alert, a suspect that's looking real good for this case. So we feel like that deserves the updated version of this and all of the um, investigation coming up kind of deserves its own special little episode. So we're bringing you part two next week. And I promise you guys want to tune back in for this because this case is getting more and more interesting all the time. And this is kind of one of those really big ones, like hasn't been solved in almost 14 years now. So, right. Yeah, 14 years, almost 14 years. So this is one that's we like, I feel like this is one that we kind of live on. Like you always hope that you're going to have one of those ones that you can cover a case and then come back and talk about it being solved. Well, this one's kind of a twofer. We get to cover it now. And then hopefully, I mean, maybe by the time that this is out, maybe they'll even have more information released then. But There is some upcoming news, so be sure to tune back in next week for all of the updated 2020 news about the Madeline McCann case. But until then, guys, stay safe. And and lock lock your freaking doors. Bye. Bye.